the story of Jonah. How God's love draws us closer to him. Creating space for forgiveness and grace as he pursues us with his relentless love. <laughs> I am super excited that you're joining us as we uh, journey the second week through this fascinating book called Jonah. I am so excited to teach through this book. There's some incredible practical insights here that uh, I just can't wait to share with you. And we're doing it inside this remarkable theme called uh, Relentless Love. Last week, I reminded you that God's Love is so unrelenting until it is inescapable. As a matter of fact, if you missed last week's message, I want to encourage you to go ahead and, and check out that message. It will be worth your wow as we looked at the first three verses in chapter one of Jonah. Secondly, I just want to give a shout out to my peeps, those of you guys who gathered in our in-person um, gathering in San Jose. So if you're in San Jose, make some noise. Praise God. We're delighted to see you today, or rather to be seen by you. <laughs> and for those of you who are watching online, a shout out to you as you're taking advantage of all these different uh, social media platforms. If you happen to be watching in Facebook, come on, fill the screen with some emojis. Let us know that you're here. And one more thing, for those of you who are part of our rebroadcast audience, that, that means you're not watching live on Sunday, but you're catching us on a Tuesday evening or some other time. Uh, I just want to welcome you, and I just want to say to you, uh, whether you're in the rebroadcast audience or whether you're a guest in San Jose or, or whether you just opened your laptop and you kind of just came across this, it's not an accident that you're inside this message, inside this series. This, I believe, is a God-appointed moment for you. Now, can somebody shout reachable? Yeah, that's the focus of today's message. Everybody shout reachable. Type that into the chat. Reachable. God, we pray for your, your supernatural work as I teach this message today. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, let's look at uh, Jonah verses 4 through 7, and then we're going to add verse 14. Let's hear what God has to say to us as we read this, uh, this next portion of, of Scripture. Then the Lord sent a great wind, somebody shout a great wind, on the sea. And such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid and each one cried out to his own God. And they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah, somebody shout, but Jonah, had gone below deck where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. Then the sailors, verse 7, said to each other, Come, let us cast lots to find out who's responsible for this calamity. They cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. Then verse 14, these same sellers, listen to it. It says, then they cried out to Yahweh, the Lord. Happened to be Jonah's God. And there ends the reading. Praise be to God. Now, the thought that I want you to keep on your mind it's really captured in the form of a question as we work through this, this message. Am I reachable? 
Am I reachable? Come on, if someone is sitting next to you, just, 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 just look towards them and just say, am I reachable? Type that in the chat. Am I reachable? Notice how this passage begins, verse 4. It opens up right in the middle of a drama that is already unfolding with these remarkable words, then. Come on now, then. Right in the middle of Jonah having decided that he's going to be disobedient to the assignment that God has placed on him, then. Right in the middle of Jonah having decided that not only is he going to be disobedient, but he's going to catch a ship headed towards Tasha in the opposite direction that God had called him to go into. Then the text says, the Lord sent a great wind on the sea in such a violent storm arose. Somebody shout storm. Storm. There's that word. What a remarkable metaphor for the great challenges and crises that we tend to run into along life's journey. Storm. It has been said, and I found it to be true, that either you and I are navigating through a storm right now, a crisis or challenge, or we're just coming out of a storm, or we're on our way towards a storm. Just keep living. That's what the old people used to raise me. They used to say, just keep living. Somebody shout, just keep living. Well, when we find ourselves in a storm, in the midst of one of life's great challenges and crises, it is appropriate for us, if we want to be responsible and fruitful, to ask the question, what is the reason for this storm? And as we begin to probe the reasoning for the storm, we will discover that storms come from at least several places. You know what I'm thinking about now? I'm thinking about August 23rd, 2005. The historians tell us that the beautiful waters of surrounding those, the islands of the, the, the Bahamas suddenly became unusually warm. They reached a temperature of 79.9 Fahrenheit. As a result of the waters heating up, it drove the humidity in the, in the air up to an, uh, an unusual high. The interplay between an unusually high humidity uh, interplaying with water that is unusually warm led to a stirring of the, war, stirring of the wind. Can somebody shout broken life? And then the intersection between the stirring of the wind, high humidity, and unusually warm water uh, began to give way, come on now, to a small storm that became a large storm. Can somebody shout, a broken world? And, and before we knew it, August 23rd had turned into August 26th, and what exploded out of the beautiful waters of the Bahamas out of nowhere, come on now, became known as Hurricane Katrina as it made its way across Cuba, headed towards Florida, landing and becoming one of the most unprecedented hurricanes that history would record happening here in America. This scenario of how this hurricane emerged is a reminder of how some of the major crises and challenges sweep into our lives. They come out of broken life. They come out of a broken world. For example, you can be super healthy, having done everything you're supposed to do, living faithful lives, and one day you wake up and the cellular infrastructure in your body somehow goes wrong, begins to make decisions that, that, that's opposite to how God designed those cells to work. And before you know it, you, you, you find yourself in a hurricane called one of life's diseases. God didn't send it. It's not your fault. It just comes out of broken life. Somebody shouts storms. 
Have you ever asked yourself the question, why do we name hurricanes after people? Hurricane Katrina, Hugo, Sandy, Ike. Why do we name hurricanes after people? Well, I think it's because some of the folk in our lives, our experience of them has been the experience of having hurricanes set loose in our lives. <laughs> Somebody say, yeah, I know Hurricane Katrina. <laughs> That's my unruly sister. Yeah. Or somebody says, uh, if Tina uh, Turner was here, she said, yeah, I know Hurricane Ike. I was married to that booger. Come on, if, you, if you're of a certain age, you remember Ike and Tina Turner. They would sing these fabulous um, songs out front and then behind the stage, he was abusive and Violent to her, creating storms in her life. The fact of the matter is that, that the second place the storms come into our lives comes out of the brokenness of people that we're engaged with, that we people that we love. And through their brokenness comes irresponsibility and violence and unfaithfulness. And it causes us to wake up in the middle of a hurricane, in the middle of a storm. Say storms. But then, according to the text here in Jonah, there's a third category. You see, Jonah had decided to turn his back on God. He had decided to walk away from God's purpose for his life. And whenever you turn your back on God and walk in the opposite direction of God's purpose on your, of your life, you're headed off the cliff. And Jonah had decided that he wanted to get as far away. He didn't want God to be able to reach him. That's why he was leaving Israel. So he didn't have to run into any synagogues where there was any worship to remind him of a God that was calling his name. Where he didn't run into anybody quoting Torah, scripture to him to remind him that there was a God calling his name. He wanted to go to a pagan place called, on the other side of Spain called Tashi, y'all. He wanted to get beyond God's reach. He wanted to become unreachable. And it is almost I can determine and can hear the heavenly counsel within God begin to discuss. I, I tried to slow him down. I tried to send a friend to talk to him. Come on now. I, 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 I tried to send a family member to talk to him. I delayed the takeoff of the boat. I did all of these different things to try to reach him. And yet he put in spiritual earplugs and now he's headed off the cliff of life. But I want him to know he's not unreachable. So the text declares that the Lord sent a great wind on the sea and such a violent storm arose and Jonah woke up in a storm. Come on now. Not because of broken life, but because of Jonah's broken sense of faithfulness and purpose. Because of Jonah. I say like this, the storm rose out of God's relentless love trying to reach Jonah. And oftentimes it comes as he tries to reach us. The question that you and I want to wrestle with today is, am I unreachable? Do I have spiritual earplugs in my ears? Have I put on blindness to what God is trying to do? Is it, is it possible that, that, that God's last result to reach us out of a place of an unrelenting love is in fact to show up in a storm? While you contemplate that in your mind, I want to suggest to you that whatever the source of your storm, wherever the storm comes from, storms generally operate the same way in this particular way area. 
storms have a tendency, come on now, of being a source of revelation if we're paying attention. Now, here's what we learned. You know, the Hurricane Katrina swept, uh, hit the southern coast of Florida, central Florida, dipped into the Gulf of Mexico, uh, into the Gulf, slowed down a bit, and while it was in the Gulf, it picked up more and more and more and more speed, came out of the Gulf, swung across the coast of Louisiana, went down Mississippi, went down uh, uh, in, in Alabama, causing uh, unprecedented damage to life and to property. But historians tell us that the place where the worst damage was done was in New Orleans. And what's unique about that is that the, the, the hurricane actually missed New Orleans. So what happened? How did New Orleans become so damaged? Now, here's the insight I want you to get. Storms often reveal hidden realities that are not obvious to us at first sight. Hidden realities that we've lost, uh, that we're not aware of, that are functioning behind the surface. It, it was the water, it was the flood that caused the damage. How did that happen? Well, uh, decades earlier, the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers had built the levees because New Orleans is below sea level. They built these levees, a combination of canals and walls to protect it against a surge of water. They had suggested that they met standard. But in reality, what the U.S. Uh, engineers did, uh, Army Corps of Engineers did, was that they used cheap material and took cheap shortcuts in order to build the levees. And it was only the storm, Katrina, come on now, where the waters raised to an unprecedented height that revealed because the levees broke in 23 different places and 80 to 90% of New Orleans uh, became uh, flooded of uh, some places 14 feet deep. Not only was 80 to 90% of the city flooded, over 100,000 businesses was lost. Uh, 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 over 1,464 people lost their lives. Tens of thousands of people were displaced out of their city and in some cases out of their state across the country because, come on now, some engineers who thought they were smart taking some shortcuts concluded they will never find out and use some cheap material rather than high-quality stuff. The storm revealed the hidden reality. When we look at the text, we find that the storms of life operating in this text do the same thing. Uh, notice uh, verse 5a. It says, all the sailors were afraid. You can say terrified. Somebody shout terrified. Afraid and terrified. And each cried out to their own God. Notice the word God, small g, meaning a false God. They were crying out, God help us, but they were crying out to a false God. And so here's the first insight, that the storms that we wake up in, come on now, whatever their source, tend to reveal where the false gods are in our lives. And my friends, let me just tell you that my definition of a false God is anything that you give ultimate authority 
and ultimate power over your life. Anything that you're willing to sacrifice everything and all in order to pursue, in order to serve, that's potentially your false God. You know, Paul in uh, Acts uh, uh, chapter 17, verse 28, he says this. He says, it's about God. He's, he's pulling from a quote uh, out of the Greek culture. He says, in him, in God, come on, in God, I, 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 I live and move and have my being. He's the ultimate, come on, source of authority and purpose for my living. But for some of us, the ultimate source of of purpose and authority in our lives, the thing that we're pursuing the most is power and money. And it has caused us to sacrifice uh, marriages. It caused us to sacrifice irreplaceable moments with our loved ones and our families. And we only came to realize that because a storm swept into our lives. For some others of us, it's, it's, it's our children. We've made false gods out of our children. We're willing to sacrifice anything to do whatever it takes to give our children whatever they want, even if what they want is not good for them. And we're transforming some of our kids into false gods, and it takes a storm to reveal that to us. For some of us, it is that significant other that is in your life. You have already given away what you should have kept. Come on, you stopped going to church or watching worship on your laptop because she says it makes her feel funny. Come on now. You've stopped volunteering uh, several hours a month with your favorite charity or giving to your charity. Come on now, because he feels like there's more valuable ways that you can use your resource and your time. And you're allowing, come on, the significant other to deplace the one who should be the most significant in your life. Can somebody shout false God? Yeah. And then as we as we make our way down the text, we see in the story of Jonah that storms also reveal the faulty thinking that's in our reasoning. Notice what the text says, 5b. And so they threw the cargo out, they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. Uh, here was their thinking. Despite the, the, the fact that the storm is so outrageous, we can still find a way to control the vessel in the midst of this uncontrollable storm. If we just lighten the load, it becomes more maneuverable. And they were, they were unwilling to concede that there are some things in life. Can you say faulty thinking? They were unwilling to concede that there were some things in life. There are some things in life that human effort just cannot fix. That human effort just cannot solve. If God doesn't fix it, solve it, deal with it, then you need to pray that God gives you the grace and the serenity to live with it or to engage it. Because there are some things you and I just cannot fix. And by the way, if there's a little tape going on in your mind inside of a circumstance or a situation whereby you're saying they will never know, can you shout faulty, faulty thinking? Faulty thinking. Yeah. So if you're where the engineers are, taking shortcuts, faulty thinking. If you're where the sailors are, trying to control that which is not yours to control the uncontrollable, faulty thinking. And then the third thing, that uh, storms reveal in our lives. Uh, watch how the text lays this out. 
It says, but Jonah had gone below the deck where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. Now you got to get the drama of the scene. Come on. The ship is being tossed back and forth between waves. People are yelling and screaming in this pandemonium. And, and, and they're up and down trying to find Congo to throw over. And everybody is frightened. And in the midst of all of that pandemonium, in the midst of all of the rocking, and the ship is beginning to come apart seemingly at the scenes. And in the midst of all of that chaos, that violent chaos, Jonah is in the deck. Come on now. Blowing Z's. <laughs> just, just sleeping. Just sleeping. Just sleeping. Just sleeping. So check it out. Storms will reveal the false God in our lives. Secondly, storms will reveal the faulty thinking and our reasoning. And then thirdly, storms will reveal the flaky people on our boats. <laughs> Do you have any flaky people on your boat? Jonah is flaky, guys, and he's on the boat, y'all. Let me give you my definition of what a flaky person is, just in case you don't know. <laughs> a flake, flaky people are, number one, they're frequently undependable. Number two, they are regularly self-centered. And number three, they are often irresponsible. Uh, undependable. God says, I need to send you Jonah as one final opportunity for the redemption of this powerful nation. Come on, before it is destroyed and Jonah quits, can you say undependable? God says, I want you to be an instrument of, of a potential grace moment for this nation. But because this was not in Jonah's best interest, because he wanted to see them wiped out. Come on now, Jonah quit. Can you say self Centered, driven by his own self-centeredness, he gets on a boat, hit it in the wrong, in the opposite direction, and his undependability and his self-centeredness makes him irresponsible because here is a city that is filled with countless lives, and those lives hang in the balance. And while those lives are hanging in the balance in Nineveh, and while the lives are hanging in the balance in a ship caught in a storm, Jonah is sleeping. Can somebody say flaky? Yeah, flaky. <laughs> flaky. Now notice this. The sailors would not have been in trouble if they had not had flaky Jonah on the boat. The only reason they're in the storm is because Jonah was on the boat. You got to pay attention to the flaky people on your boat. And if you find yourself constantly winding up, in, in, in the same kind of storm, you got to ask yourself the question is, could it be the flaky people on my boat? Come on now. How is it that I, I, I keep coming up short financially at the end of the month and I'm making plenty of money? Could it be the flaky people that you keep loaning money to during the course of the, that child, that sibling? Come on now. That relative, that friend. Check the flaky people on the boat. Come on, you, you, the college student. Come on, you, 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 you regularly find yourself up at 3 a.m. studying while your best friend is sleeping. Why is that? Could it be that your best friend keeps talking you into going out and partying until about 1 or 2? Come on now, and that's 3 in the morning. Come on, that person is asleep while you are sleepless because that person is irresponsible and they don't really care about the outcome of their grades, but you are, overly, you are definitely concerned about your grade. They're sleeping and you're sleepless because 
there's some flaky people on your boat. And what we learn in the text is that, you know, sometimes we've got to identify the flaky people and we got to throw them overboard. Come on now. <laughs> We're going to throw them overboard. And there's two ways in which we throw people overboard. The first is that there are some people we just need to dismiss. Come on now, out of our lives. They are unhealthy. They are difficult. They are dangerous. Do you know that they're sometimes flaky Friends and family members can put your life at risk. The sailors' lives are at risk because of flaky Jonah. On other occasions, we don't need to, to throw them overboard. doesn't mean to eliminate them from our lives. What it means is to draw some fresh boundaries and to reshape our expectations as we interact with them. We don't have to be mean. We don't have to be nasty. We can be kind and sweet. We can still hang out with them and go shopping. Come on now, we can still invite them over for dinner. But because we know they are not responsible, never ask them to do anything that has high responsibility attached to it. Because you know they are self-centered. Don't be surprised when you're at an event that's featuring you and they tiptoe out halfway the event. They're flaky. Come on now. Because you know they are irresponsible. Don't place high responsibility in their care. And when, and when they want to ask you what's going on, don't spend time trying to persuade them that they're flaky. <laughs> Come on, you, you just have to say, listen, listen, at the end of the day, their history has revealed who they are. And until their history reveals something different, you just reshape your expectation. It's on you. You can't change them. But God says you can do something about you. Now, of course, there's one, one question you should engage as we deal with flaky people. Is it possible? That you're the one that's flaky. <laughs> yes. Somebody just say quietly, flaky. Well, if you'll turn out to be the one that's flaky, that's not a death sentence. I've got a word of hope for you. Just stay with me. Let me wrap this last piece of this message up, and I'm going to come back to that point. Notice, 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 notice uh, verse 7. It says, so then this says, so here's what happened. Uh, somebody went downstairs and they found Jonah sleeping. And they woke him up and they said, man, you need to wake up, pray to your God, do something. We're, we're, we're all about the crash. They don't know who Jonah is. And they go back up front and they're still trying to figure out what to do. Come on. They're skilled sailors. They've been through storms before, but this is something that is unprecedented. They've consulted with one another and yet they cannot figure out a solution to this problem. And because they cannot figure out a solution, they, they shift. Come on now. Uh, from what I call a natural revelation in pursuit of a divine revelation. You see, the natural revelation, that's the stuff that we can intellectually calculate. That's the stuff we can observe if we're just thinking about it. Come on, the false gods that's been revealed, the faulty thinking that's been revealed. Come on now, uh, 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 the, 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 the flaky people on our boat that's been revealed. But there are some moments in life where, where life will show up and we'll find ourselves in a storm and, and our friends cannot help us to figure it out. Our experience turns out not to be competent or capable enough. Our intellectual calculation keeps falling short and we need an answer from somewhere. And that's the time when you need to learn to look up. Come on now, somebody shout prayer as you look for divine revelation. 
my wife told me a story the other day. That's what she said. So her and her mother was headed to San Francisco from our house. When Rhonda got in the car, she plugged in the GPS on the, on the car. Her mother was raised in the San Francisco Bay Area. She could lead you through the Bay Area in her sleep almost. So mother said to Rhonda, why are you plugging in two things? Rhonda plugged in the GPS and it said go down 280 north to get to San Francisco, quickest route. Mother said, one, why are you plugging in the GPS? You got me. You don't need the GPS. <laughs> Two, <laughs> this says 280. I'm telling you, I, the, the, one-on-one is the quickest. And Rhonda said, well, listen, Mom. She says, Herman is, here's what Herman has taught me. I need to say this about three or four times. She said, here's what Herman has taught me. Can I say that like three or four more times? <laughs> She's talking about me, her husband, y'all. Come on now. All right? I don't, I don't know that I hear that a lot. But here's what Herman has taught me, she says. She says, we plug in the GPS, and if the GPS sends us in a direction that does not comport with what our natural experience suggests we should do, a nine out of ten, we ought to trust the GPS, she says, because the GPS is plugged into a satellite. And while our view is limited based on what we can see, come on, and, 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 and is defined based on our historical experience, the satellite sees real time, both 280 and 101. It's got the view of the full picture, and it calculates the pace of the traffic. And so if there is an accident ahead, I can't determine that. My experience will not reveal that. Come on, not from my proximity, but the satellite can see it. If the traffic is slow here and fast here, I cannot determine that from my car seat. My experience cannot facilitate that. And even if I consult with you, an expert traveling up 101, you cannot adequately predict what you cannot see. Y'all ain't listening to me. But the satellite that's got a full picture, come on now, says go 280 because that's the pace. So they went down 280, y'all. When they got to San Francisco, my mother-in-law says, wow, I can't believe how fast we got here. There, It was right. And Wanda said, absolutely, it was right. She said, come on now. She said, isn't that just like God? He's got the full picture. Y'all, y'all ain't listening. Come on, that's what I want to tell y'all. Come on, come on. That sometimes our horizontal revelation is not sufficient after we've used our common sense and after we used our professional judgment and after we've collaborated with our, 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 our professionals and the people in our lives, there are some storms, y'all, that still leave us in a situation that we need to not look this way but this way and consult with the one who has the full picture in insight let's go so stop complaining to your friends stop crying come on now to, to, to your colleague you can cry to the colleague and complain to the friend but then find your seat somewhere and look up look up you see i read that text because when they those those, those soldiers got around the sailors and they cast lots even in their pagan context, what they were saying is that we can't get the answer this way. We need to check in with the divine, that the divine might show us what we cannot see. And the text says that the lot fell on Jonah. He is the source of the calamity. Wow. And let me conclude here, guys. Listen, listen. Sometimes God will reveal to you because he sees the whole picture that the flaky one on the boat is you. 
But don't get bent out of shape. Don't get locked into guilt. Come on, don't leave with your head buried down in shame. Revelation is the beginning of transformation. And the moment that God shows it to you, say, thank you. Now tell me what I can do to reverse it. And God will show you. Come on now. Number one, here's how you become dependable. Never give your word. Never make a promise unless you're guaranteed that you can do it. And if you're not sure you can do it, if there's a 10, 15%, come on, gap. Just say, I'll do the best I can. But, but, but Father, I can't promise it because I can't guarantee it. And so that when you, you, you develop the habit, when you say, I promise, I give you my word. Come on, people know they can depend on you. If you find yourself self-centered, ask God to show you during the course of the week one or two opportunities. Come on, that you can sacrifice on behalf of others and begin to stretch your heart as you grow into who God's calling you to be. Because I read somewhere, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ gave up his life for us and we ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. But you've got to practice it in order for it to be perfected and performed in your life and in your heart. Come on now. And then if you, if you learn how to give your word and keep your promises, and, and, and if you learn how to sacrifice on behalf of others, it, 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 you'll find yourself moving from being irresponsible to responsible. God will transform you because of your revelation, y'all, from being flaky to faithfulness. Somebody shout hallelujah. Type it in the chat. Hallelujah. Come on, San Jose. Shout hallelujah. Come on, let's give God a hand praise. Wherever you're watching over, say thank you, Jesus. Yeah. Prayer. Never stop praying for revelation. And somebody says amen and amen. I can't tell you what a blessing it is for me to have shared this word with you. I pray you sense God speaking into your life. Now, the question, of course, is, are you ready to take a step forward? Haven't heard this word. Would you just dare take a moment, scan the QR code, and I want to offer you some, some, invite you to consider a couple of options. First of all, the first thing you're going to see right on the screen is the reflection question that I just told you about. I strongly want you to incorporate this prayer daily, or perhaps throughout the day in your life over the course of the next seven days. Here it is. What have I resisted seeing about myself and others that has kept me from your purpose? All right. That's the prayer I want you to engage with. And whatever you do, make sure you're back here for week three. We're going to be here 9 and 11 a.m. Pacific time. And if you're in a local Bay Area, I just want to say there's no greater experience in the local Bay Area than showing up at one of our in-person campuses. We would love to host you. And finally, Share the message and all the worship gatherings. You can think of some people. You're thinking, wow, I know somebody. They really need to hear this message. Oh, they really need to engage with this entire worship experience. Just go ahead and share the link uh, and let them be blessed by it. And if you're participating on social media and you're responding to some of our stuff out there, tag us, man. Just tag us. Go ahead and tag NBCC Bear. That way we know that you're part of what God is doing through NBCC.